0: And we're going to be at the Siren Theater. And the show starts at 7.30. So go to our website, where wereraisedbywolves.com slash live and get some tickets. Join us. Do you confuse servers with your cutlery? Do you touch the art in galleries? Do you change the budget without asking? Were you raised by wolves? Let's find out. Here are things I can make It's Nick Layton. And I'm Leah Bonema, And let's just get right down to it with our Moose Boosh. Let's get in it. So for today's Moose Boosh, I want to talk about the correct place to put your cutlery while you're dining. And I bring this up because from time to time, our listeners will send us this infographic that's been floating around the internet. And in this infographic, there are a bunch of plates and there is a knife and fork on these plates. And then there is some description about what that means. So Leah, for our audience... Please look at this infographic and what do you see? Explain what is happening. So Nick just sent this to me. So describe what messages do the various configurations of knife and fork sent according to this infographic.
1: According to the infographic, the knife and fork are sending in your four different options. I, I'm still eating. Okay. The meal is finished. Right. And then the meal was tasty <laughs> or the service was bad.
0: Yeah, so you could send that signal according to this infographic.
1: Which I didn't know. That seems intense.
0: And what do you do with your knife and fork to uh to convey this? Um you according to the infographic. You
1: put it in like a V at with the fork tines and the knife crossing in the middle of your plate. Right. And pointing towards you. Pointing towards you. And then there's also one that says bring complaints book, which I guess is a more (laughs) intense version of that's like a higher level of service was bad. I don't even know what that means. Are we doing that to people? I want to let you know the service was so passive aggressive.
0: (laughs) Sorry. So this infographic is garbage. Um, And so, why it is so troubling and why I want to talk about it today is that this has been floating around the internet. Articles in actual newspapers have been based on this. I even saw Breakfast Television in Canada did a whole morning show segment using this infographic as if it were true (gasps) for their audience. And it's like, this is not true. This is garbage. (laughs) So there's this great blog and Instagram account called Etiquettepedia. And they have been tracking this infographic since its earliest days. And I reach out to them, the woman who runs it, uh, and I was like, what's up with this? And she's like, we assumed this was a joke. This is just a joke that has gotten out of hand. And now people have been copying it and copying it. So that, that infographic you see, there's... Hundreds of different versions. Graphic designers have recreated this graphic. And it's on like stock photography websites. It's all over YouTube. I mean, it's really bonkers, like how far this has spread. And the woman from Etikapedia, she says that she first noticed this in around 2010. And we would like to find this person. And I would like to put them in my trunk. And I would like to drive to a remote location. And what happens? Who could say? So... There's only two things to know about the signal you are sending with your knife and fork during a meal. It's the resting and it's the I'm done. Like I'm taking a pause and I'm done. You can take my plate. That's it. There is no other symbolism available. There is no signal to say, I don't like this. There is no signal to say, bring the complaint book. There is no signal to say, bring more. Like none of that. No. So let's just talk about what this actually looks like. And I will post photos of this on the show notes so you can actually see. But basically, there's two ways that we eat, which is the American style, where you switch your fork, and the European style, where you keep the fork on the left. So if you're eating American style if you are resting, the knife will go towards the top of your plate. And some people put it very horizontal at the top. Some people sort of have it going from 12 o'clock to three o'clock if you visualize the plate as a clock. And then the fork goes sort of like 4 p.m. on the right-hand side. That's sort of your resting position. And when you're done, the fork and knife go parallel and they kind of go at about 4.30. That's sort of like the angle towards the center of the plate. And if you're eating European style, the resting position is sort of a V shape, where the fork tines are down on the left and the knife kind of goes towards the middle. And sometimes they'll overlap where you do the fork tines over the knife or they kind of get very close. But you have a V shape, sort of an upside down V towards the middle of your plate. And when you're done, the resting position is pretty much the same. The fork and knife go together parallel. If you're in the UK, they'll go up straight up and down, 12 o'clock, six o'clock. If you're very continental European from you know the continent, you might actually have it more like 315. In America, we might do more like a 430. 4- And I have a friend in Canada who does eat European style, but leaves it at more of the 430 position. So Mm. it's sort of interesting that like her eating style is very European, but the Finnish position is American. So very interesting. Canada, a little hybrid. I don't know if my friend is like representative of the entire country, but that is sample size of one. (laughs) So you do not ever cross your knife and fork together in an X, like that's not a thing we do. And you don't push your knife and fork all the way into the middle of the plate. And you also don't rest one side of the cutlery on the table and the other on the edge of the plate. Like that's also not something we do. You just wanna leave them in the six o'clock or the 4.30 or the 3.15 or wherever in that zone. And you wanna have maybe an inch of the cutlery overhanging the plate Mm. and that's it. And why this is important is that this is a very understood signal to servers about whether or not you're still eating or whether or not you're done and they can clear your plate. And we don't want to confuse people because confusing people is rude. So that is why we have sort of decided as a society that this is what we do. So I just uh, hope everybody knows this now. I
1: love it. And this graphic is hilarious.
0: Unbelievable. I'm surprised
1: they don't have more. That's like a fork on one side means you need to call your mom. Like it's just
0: so. Oh, (laughs) be careful what you wish for. No, this, this graphic, I've seen so many different versions and all these incredibly inventive signals that can be sent with your knife and fork. Yeah. Yeah. Bring dessert. More mashed potatoes. Yeah. No, all of it is just total nonsense. So don't trust what you see on the internet. Internet is not peer-reviewed, everybody. So, and what is fun is that the woman who runs Etikapedia, she is so personally offended by this graphic. Like, nothing else, I think, makes her more upset than this graphic circulating. And she has made it her mission to, like, track it down. So, that's, I I really do appreciate her care uh, and her attention to this very important matter because... I think people are going, if you watch breakfast television and this popped up and you're on a segment and you're like, oh, well, obviously some producer researched this, they spoke to some etiquette expert before producing this segment for live television, you would be wrong. But uh, you might go through life thinking that you could just cross your silverware and they'll bring you more dessert. I don't know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> or that a waiter or waitress has the time to be, look at your fork and be like, oh, I think they want me to go get the complaints book. Because they were unhappy with me.
0: Oh, go get that complaints book.
1: (laughs) No, thank you. (laughs) Also, what is a complaints book? Out of all of the restaurants (laughs) I've worked at. There's never been a complaints book.
0: book. Yeah. I mean, uh, maybe we need that. Yeah.
1: (laughs) No, I wouldn't mind a compliments book. I'll get the compliments book. The complaints book. No, thank you.
0: And we're back. And now it's time to go deep.
1: Woo! You're opening it up with a real existential question. Let me say that.
0: <laughs> Leah, <laughs> what is art?
1: I mean, <laughs> what is art? You know?
0: What an art?
1: What an yes. art? What, life is art? Art is life?
0: So for today's deep dive, I wanted to talk about going to an art gallery and going to an art gallery opening, which I enjoy. Leah, have you been to one of these things? I have. Okay. And so what do you think?
1: I love going. I mean, I feel like you love going.
0: I do love going. I do love contemporary art and I do love installations and environments. And I do actually like take vacations specifically for art. Like I've been to Naushima, I've been to Mona and Hobart. I've been to the Venice Biennale a few times. Like I, I will go to places for art. So for me, I'm all about it. I do think though that contemporary art and art galleries can feel very intimidating And so I kind of wanted to spell that because I think it's interesting and there's no reason to be intimidated. And if you're invited to an art gallery opening, you should totally go. I love that idea. So I'm actually a little surprised that you're all about it because I feel like your default setting is to have anxiety and there's a lot of anxiety related to like the art world.
1: Oh, I don't feel that way because you don't have to talk to anybody. You can just like move through
0: and look at stuff and then move on out. Interesting. Okay. Well, I mean, I guess that's very true. Yeah. The New York Times did an article in the 90s about art galleries and the openings. And they had a great quote that described the anxiety that some people have. And they said, quote, it's one part dinner with a boss where you don't know how to behave. It's one part final exam, but you don't know what you're talking about. And one part trying to rent a Manhattan apartment and you can't (laughs) afford anything on display. So I think the art world has probably changed since the nineties a little bit, but there is something that is off putting about some galleries and some galleries do go out of their way to try and be snooty and pretentious. And that actually is part of the mystique that they're trying to create and just ignore that.
1: I I think I I went to a lot of art galleries growing up because my parents are artists.
0: So I'm also very familiar with it,
1: which is also maybe. Okay.
0: That's why. Sure. You're desensitized.
1: I'm not desensitized. (laughs) I just, you know, you're, I'm comfortable with it.
0: Right. Yes. So I think the first thing that comes to mind when you go to an art gallery is that museum rules apply, which is don't touch and and don't get too close and be mindful of the other people around who are also trying to look at the thing that you want to look at. So that's why we're not like crowding in front of things.
1: You don't walk directly in front of somebody who's looking at something and then just stand there like a tree.
0: Yeah. And at an art gallery party, there will be people around and there will be the temptation to comment on the art. And I think it is nice to talk about art, sure. I think you just want to be very careful about what you're saying because the artist could be there or people that know the artist is there. And it's similar rules to like going to any theatrical experience where like people who know the performers are probably around you. So keep your mouth shut if you don't have anything nice to say.
1: Yeah, compliments only. And I also think in that I wouldn't compare artists. I hear a lot of people and they'll be like, you know what I mean? People, it's like- Yeah,
0: like, oh, it's very de Kooning. Sure.
1: Or I liked this. Somebody also tackled this subject, and I liked their and version more. You know, it's like eh, just don't do
0: that. Yeah. Oh, definitely don't do that. Also, don't ask like I could do that.
1: Yeah. Oh, don't say that. Especially, I feel like in modern art, you hear that all the time when it's like, oh, sure. People are like, yeah. oh, it's just a chair, and you're like, you know what? You get into a gallery.
0: Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> you could do that, but you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's why you're not the artist. Sure. And I think also one thing to know about the art gallery opening is that art galleries are actually art stores. They sell art. And so the art gallery party, it's a party, sure, there's going to be wine, there's going to probably be beer, but they're trying to move merchandise. And so you want to be mindful of that and that you don't have to buy anything like any of the store. But like if the artist is there, the gallerist is there, they're trying to sell stuff. So like if you know the artist or you know the guy who runs the gallery, don't monopolize their time. They are trying to network. They're trying to actually like sell some stuff here.
1: Yeah, I think it's nice to throw out a absolutely lovely or whatever you want to, how you want to describe and thanks for having me and or just like a nice thing to the host or the artist if they're there, if you know them, if it's an intimate gathering.
0: Yeah, yeah. But yeah, you don't want to monopolize their time. How about what to wear? What should people wear to these things, Leah?
1: I think the great thing about art is you get to be your most you.
0: Yeah, I think it's definitely, it's about attitude. And I'm sure this is regional. I mean, so in New York City, like Thursday nights, you're walking through Chelsea, going to galleries, y- you see everything and it doesn't matter. I mean, definitely there's a look though, sort of a comme de garçon, like I'm wearing a jacket or is it a skirt or is it a smock? <laughs> Who can say? You know, asymmetrical haircut, very distinctive, weird glasses. Like there's there's a look, sure. But you could also wear jeans, T-shirt. Yeah, I mean, I, I see flip-flops. So I guess come as you are. Yeah,
1: I was going to say, I think shirts and shoes, shirts and shoes. <laughs>
0: shirts and shoes. Yeah, this is not Margaritaville in Jacksonville <laughs> Beach, Florida.
1: But I think it's good to be very you.
0: And in terms of photos... I think almost always photos are cool. Like, I've rarely been in a gallery where photos are not allowed. And usually if they're not allowed, it's probably some work that's, like, historical and on loan from somewhere. And there will always be a sign that is, like, no photos of this thing. The default setting is that, like, you can just take photos. You can always ask for permission. It's always nice to ask for permission. But generally speaking, have at it. But if you do it, you should always tag the gallery and the artist in it because Mm. this is a commercial (laughs) adventure they're not doing this uh, for sport they would like to have some promotion so if you're going to take pictures of their stuff like at least help promote it
1: yeah it's always nice to support the artist and the gallery
0: and then one thing that does come up for artists themselves is that if you go to a gallery show and it's not your gallery show do not hand out flyers or <gasps> business cards Ooh. and this is fairly a thing that happens Which, I mean, I appreciate the effort, but I think there's a time and place for it. And this is not that.
1: Yeah, I think we're supporting whoever's event it is.
0: And lastly, let's talk about prices. It is actually okay to ask what things cost. But usually the nicest way to do it is there's probably actually a price list, which is a printed thing that the people at the front desk could actually hand you. And so you can see the prices of all the works that are in the gallery show.
1: And that's in the gallery show, not in a museum.
0: That is not a museum. That, that is the main difference between museums and galleries. That's true.
1: Can you tell me how much this? Right? Yeah, the, uh,
0: the lady with the smile, the, the Mona, the Mona Lisa thing. Yeah. Uh, how much you want for that? How much is that? Can you imagine if you own the Mona Lisa? Oh, man. I feel like the lines in my apartment would be so long. (laughs) And now it's time for Intermezzo.
1: Intermezzo.
0: So this episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. And Acorn TV offers world-class mysteries, dramas, comedies, and documentaries from Britain and beyond. So on your recommendation, Leah, I started watching Happy Valley. Yes.
1: And now you see how the title is ironic.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And also, so much is going on in this town. So
1: much is going on. We already we start at a 10 and then yeah. we keep going up.
0: But I will say the lead, she is so good. She's unbelievable. Why are they better actors over there? She is incredible. Yeah. And just yeah, the way the storytelling is done and the way it's shot, like, oh, it 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 got me. It got me. I'm in. I'm, I'm in. so
1: glad I knew you would love it. I was like, this is great storytelling, great acting. Also, I sweat.
0: So our first question is, quote, I'm in a predicament. I just found out that I'm unexpectedly expecting a child. While looking at my calendar, I realized two very important events fall within the first couple of weeks after my due date. My sister's wedding and my best friend's wedding. Both are destination events. And now I won't be able to attend either. How best do I break this news to them?
1: I just wrote one word underneath. Okay. I just wrote directly.
0: I mean... Is the response we're expecting is, how dare you get pregnant and miss my wedding? Is that what we're anticipating? Yeah, because that would be... How dare you? (laughs) I'm sure they'll miss you. Have you no decency?
1: (laughs) I think everybody's going to understand.
0: I would hope so.
1: Yeah, I would hope so.
0: And if they don't, then like, how dare you get pregnant? Have you no idea what the calendar is? Did you not look first? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So... Yeah, I mean, etiquette issues in general don't get better the longer you wait. So the sooner you address this, the better.
1: Yeah, I think just right away.
0: So I think, how are you planning on breaking the news to these people in general? Like if there weren't these weddings, how are you gonna tell your sister and your best friend that you're pregnant? And however you're gonna do that, like do that. And
1: I think you could even do like a good news, bad news. Like, hey.
0: Yes, I think after you break the news that you're pregnant, I think then you say like, oh, and of course what this now means is that unfortunately, I will be unable to attend your wedding.
1: And I feel really bad about it. I didn't want to miss it. Obviously, you understand. Yes,
0: yeah, sure, all of that. Yes, I did not do this to spite you. Yeah,
1: I think it's express your sorry to miss it obviously, like you just can't go. I think everybody will get that.
0: Right. And you could also offer to help in other ways in the prep and like there's other ways maybe you can get involved other than actually being
1: there. Yeah, I think that's great. And I think what Nick said about sooner rather than later.
0: Sure, yeah. Just jump right in that. Pull the bandaid off.
1: And I I can't imagine a world in which they're going to be Ununderstanding.
0: Yeah, if they're upset by this, then I think we have to really think about our relationship with these people. And like, what does that mean?
1: I mean, you're having a kid and you can't go to a destination wedding, it seems. And it it was unexpected. Yeah,
0: so that's what it is.
1: And also congratulations.
0: And congratulations. Yeah, no, this is very exciting. So keep us posted. Please keep us posted. There's going to be a lot of etiquette crimes you're going to be experiencing <laughs> during <laughs> the next nine months. And we would love to hear about them. So <laughs> keep a log. Send them to us. Keep us posted. Because, like, we want to hear all
1: about your pregnancy and who is rude so we can trash them.
0: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> go. So our next question is, quote, one of my former teachers is retiring and leaving town. So to show a token of appreciation, a few of us, my former classmates, were thinking of getting him something. One person suggested we can get him and his wife a gift certificate for a couple's massage, which costs Everyone thought this was great and we all agreed to split it. But then later that day, the same person mentioned that she also wants to add a $40 chocolate gift box. As much as I love my former teacher, I don't want to blow my budget. So I replied to the group chat. Can we just pick one, please? Was that an appropriate response? Could I have done better?
1: May I say something up top? Sure. And I think this is a lot of us speak to our, ourselves this way. And it's the phrase could I have done better? Ah. Uh and I think it might be helpful, and I'm including myself in this, or I'll speak for myself, and then maybe okay. our letter writer can decide if this helps them at all. I think the thing to think is, could I do something different next time? Yes. Because I feel like it's sort of like so hard on ourselves to be like, did I handle that right? I should have done this. It's like, when something comes up, we're trying it for the new time, so if if we do decide that we want to do something different, it's for next time. It's not because we didn't handle that to the best of our abilities. We're learning as we go.
0: Uh, yes, I mean, I think this bell cannot be unwrung. I don't think when we have problematic experiences that we want to pretend that never happened and don't want to try and fix things. I don't think we just want to sweep it under the rug.
1: No, but I think it's, what can I do moving forward? As opposed to what could I, do you know what I mean? Because I think there's this way of thinking that um, sort of puts us in a position of just feeling like we messed up and there's no way to fix it.
0: Well, right. I think if it's a situation where this bell has been rung, it's done, there's nothing to do about it. Then yes, we just want to think, what can I do differently in the future? If there's an issue though, where like, oh, is there something I can still do to fix this situation? Then we obviously want to make an attempt to fix this situation.
1: Yes, I like that.
0: Okay. I totally
1: agree with that. I didn't mean not try to fix it. I just mean, I think there is this way where often people think I should have done this. I should have done this. And it's either we can fix it or moving forward, we'll do something different, but don't beat yourself up.
0: Right. Yes. If you can't do anything about it at this point, then no sense in dwelling, but just try and do better in the future. Absolutely. So I think text messages do make tone difficult. They really do. But I do think that you were annoyed. And so I think the tone that you used was accurate. (laughs) In terms of what happened here, you were annoyed and your text message did reflect this. So I think we could have phrased it differently, more along the lines of like, oh, I would prefer to stick with the original budget. Would everyone be OK with that? That would have been a nicer way to maybe present the same response.
1: Who would say I would love to do one or the other.
0: Yes. Yes. Would everybody be OK with that? And I think you would also want to like check in with the group as part of your sort of weighing in.
1: And I do think, as Nick said, that text, the tone is so hard to read. So sometimes we send a text and we're like, ooh, was that too curt? And then sometimes I'll send a follow-up text. Like, I looked back at my text and I realized the tone isn't how I meant it. And then I restate it.
0: I mean, that's nice to do if you feel like it was ambiguous enough. We're like, oh, let me just clarify. And- for this, there was no winky face emoji, I'm assuming. So, like, there's nothing to soften this blow.
1: But, I mean, I understand why you sent that text. You thought you we'd agreed on it. We'd had a budget. We're moving forward.
0: Yeah. No, I, I, I get being annoyed. Also, let's talk about the person that just, like, changed the goalposts and is throwing a $40 chocolate box into this. Like, it sounds like this person didn't ask the group, do we want to add a $40 chocolate box to this? It sounds like this person probably just said, like, and we're going to do this, everybody. Cough up the extra cash,
1: which is annoying.
0: That is annoying and rude. Yes, because it is rude to spend other people's money.
1: It's very rude, and I think also it could be like you. You're welcome to add a box. Yeah, we've agreed on this gift over here. If you want to give a box, give a box. But I'm not going to be a part of that.
0: Right. So, I mean, although that's that's a little tricky to say. Obviously, you can't nice say that. <laughs> but I understand
1: why one would want to say that.
0: Yeah, you want a chocolate box? Then have at it. You buy it. Yeah. No, that that is uh, the sentiment here, sure. You
1: could write, if you want to add a chocolate box, that's totally cool, on your money.
0: Oh, but the way that's <laughs> interpreted is, you're going to get stuck with the bill if you do that.
1: Yeah, and I think it's even fair to say, I just want to stick with the original budget.
0: Yeah, I think that's perfectly fine. And just make it a budget thing, that's a very understandable thing, and I think that's fine, and everyone should accept this. Yeah. Our next question is, quote, I have a dear friend who visits with her dog. I love her dog and I'm happy to have him in my home, but when she comes back from a walk, she bypasses our trash can and goes to the powder room where she flushes the contents of the poop bag down my toilet. I don't know what she does about the bag and I never thought about it until just now, but I surely hope she doesn't flush that too. I just feel kind of icky about her doing this and I mentioned it to her. She said, what's the difference? poop is poop. Am I being silly about this? Or should I request that she just dispose of the whole thing in the trash?
1: Can I just say, which I feel like I said for the last question, (laughs) I literally don't get this. If I walked into a friend's house, whatever they told Uh me to do,
0: I would be like, yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah. It's their house. Yeah. No, my hot take on this, your house, your poop rules, your poop rules. Exactly. Yeah. No, whatever rules you have about poop, your house, your poop rules. I just
1: can't imagine coming in and being like, no, it's your house, but no.
0: (laughs) Right? I mean, that's so rude. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what the difference is or philosophically how we come down on this or our personal feelings. It's just, you're in my house and I have asked you not to do something. And so that should be the end of it. That should be the end of
1: it. Yeah. It's not a negotiation. And then you bring it up and they're like,
0: want to have a dialogue? I mean. Now, I did look into this because I'd never heard of this, actually. But apparently the EPA recommends this. If the alternative is like flushing it down a storm drain where it goes into like an ecosystem, they say it actually is preferred to flush it down and have it go through like the normal sewage treatment system. As opposed to putting
1: in the garbage?
0: Garbage is the second choice for them, apparently. And in New York City, they also recommend doing this too. They say you shouldn't use the trash cans. If possible, you should bring it home. Or you should flush it at home. Yeah.
1: Well, I think this person can flush it in their house. Yes. Why are they stopping off at your house to flush their poop?
0: Well, I think it's that they're visiting you and then, oh, let me take my dog out for a quick walk and I'll come back and then we'll continue our visit. And when I come back from that walk, I'm using your powder room. I
1: just, the idea that you would express your wishes about something happening in your house and somebody
0: would be like, no, is just yeah, concerning. It is concerning. Yeah. And I guess, what do we do about it now? Okay, so we have a friend who clearly doesn't want to respect our wishes. Do we just set stronger boundaries? I mean, what do we do? I think that's
1: really funny what you said about, it's not about the existential question. You could be like, hey, I don't really care about your philosophy on it. I'm telling (laughs) you to use the trash. Yeah. You're welcome to flush it in your own home. I just don't know how it's gonna, because you've already brought it up once and then they did it anyway. I mean, the next one is going to be, have to be a little harder.
0: Yes, this is somebody who heard your no, but thought it was a little silly of you to object and didn't really register that as like, oh, this is a real objection.
1: They heard your no and they decided that they had a vote. They also thought they had a vote. That's true. Which is unbelievable. You don't have votes in other people's houses. Not when it comes to this. I mean, not when it comes to anything. If I was like, can you put your coat on the couch? And you'd be like, no. No. (laughs) I like it on the floor.
0: Yeah, actually, is there ever a time when you as a guest have a vote in someone else's house if you're asked yes if you're invited to give a vote sure but yeah i guess there really isn't i think we could say that's a hard and fast rule couldn't we i feel like that's a hard and fast rule oh i love hard and fast rules. (laughs) (laughs) how wonderful so do you have questions for us where we can hopefully give you hard and fast answers, please send them to us. Send them to us through our website, where you're wools.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail or send us a text message, 267 call RBW.
1: Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just 9 9.99 each with prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
0: And now it's time for the Demet-
1: intermezzo.
0: So did you know you can help support our show on Patreon? We have a Patreon. We do. And like there's tons of fun stuff there. There's videos, there's audio clips, all sorts of stuff. I was just thinking about how many videos there must be up there by now. Oh, there's a lot. Oh, there's a lot of bonus content that you have never seen if you do not join us on Patreon. So go to our website, select monthly membership and see if that's something you'd like to do. We'd so appreciate it. We really would. So please check it out. And thank you. Thank you. Back, and now it's time to play a game we'd like to call Vent or Repent. Vent or Repent. Which is our opportunity to vent about some bad etiquette experience we've had recently, or we can repent for some etiquette faux pas we've committed. So, Leah, would you like to vent or repent?
1: I would like to uh, ask if you want to go first. I feel like I always get to.
0: I would be delighted to. I mean, it's not true. I've gone first before, but uh, happy to jump in. So, for me, I would like to vent. So this is a little historical. I actually had a remarkably etiquette crime-free week. And so not a lot of bad things happened to me this week. So I'm going into the archives, but I'm going to tell you a story that I actually have never told anyone else. Oh. And so I was once a house guest and I did not send a thank you note to my hosts. Mm. And you're like, surely there must be an explanation for this. Oh, oh yes, there is. That is why this is a vent. This is not a repent. So as you know, I have spent many years working in the Hamptons, which is a crazy and complicated place. And it's full of hydrangeas and people with too much money. <laughs> and normally my workout there was summertime, but there was this one time I had to go out in February and I didn't have a place to stay. And one of my colleagues actually lived out there full time and she was going to be away the weekend I needed to be there. And she was like, you can totally use my house. No problem. Great, so it's Friday and it's late afternoon and I'm leaving Manhattan and I'm driving east because the Hamptons is about two, three hours east of New York City. And I'm heading east, I'm on the expressway. There's this Starbucks about 75% of the way there. And I usually stop there as like a little break just to break up the drive. And so I'm driving out, I get to the Starbucks, pull in the parking lot and I get a text from my friend, which is like, hey, oh gosh, I totally forgot. I rented my house on Airbnb this weekend. Um, Call me. What? And it's like I mean, what you for, you forgot you rented your house on Airbnb? Oh, okay. So I call her and I'm like, "Hey." And she's like, "Don't worry about it. I got you." And so she tells me that some socialite friend that she knows has a house and I can totally stay there. And she's like, "I'm pretty sure it's 168. It's a shingled house, low stone fence, can't miss it. Back door is unlocked. The Wi-Fi network is called Plover. The password is Golden Pear." I'm like, "Okay." So it's like another hour of driving and it's getting late and I'm like tired, but okay, fine. So I'm driving down the street, a lot of shingled houses, a lot of low stone fences, but I do get to 168 and I pull around the back and the door is unlocked. And I was like, okay, great. And this is a beautiful Hamptons house easily you know 10, 15 million dollars. It's like stepping into a magazine. So I get in, I'm about to crash, I find a guest room off of the kitchen and I text my friend I'm like, hey, I'm in the house, but there's no Wi-Fi network called Plover. So she writes back and she's like, oh, the socialite rented the house to my friend Jenna and she's the one who gave us permission. Let me check on the internet. And I'm like, does this socialite even know I'm in her house? And I was like, okay. And my friend actually never got back to me with the Wi-Fi password. And like, that's annoying. But I was like, fine, I don't need it. I can just check email on my phone. So I crash. And then the next morning, I'm actually doing the laundry because I want to just put fresh sheets back on the bed because I thought that would be the most polite thing to do. And I catch a piece of mail on the kitchen counter. And the name on the mail was a woman's name, but it wasn't the name of the socialite. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. And then I'm like, Uh, let me me check some of the photos in the living room. So I go into the living room and there's like a credenza that has like dozens of framed photos of all sorts of life events, weddings, graduations, birthday parties, and the socialite is not in any of these photos. Oh my god. And usually when you're a socialite, you are photographed a lot. And so i was like, oh, that's weird. And then I'm like, oh... (gasps) No... Did I just spend the night in someone else's house? (gasps) I I mean, there is a possibility that this was the correct house. We do live in a world in which there is the vague possibility. Mm. So I grabbed my bag and I got out of there immediately. And I did not tell my friend that this is what had happened because I was like, the sooner I can get out of here, the better. And as I'm driving out, every house on this street is shingled with like a low stone fence. (laughs) So I checked the statute of limitations for trespassing in New York. I am in the clear here. So that's why I could tell the story publicly. So although I would normally write a thank you note, if I was a guest in someone's home, this is a clear event for a number of reasons. The first is that you forgot your airbnb at your house. I mean, what is that? And you waited to let me know until I was already on the road, basically there. Like, come on. And then you got a friend of a friend to let me crash in a house without probably asking the person who owned the house for permission. So now I'm an accessory to your etiquette crime. And I don't like that. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Imagine they'd come home when you were sleeping. I mean, it's like Goldilocks, but with police. Yeah, (laughs) it's like Goldilocks, (laughs) but with police. So, and for you, Leah, would you like to vent? Or repent?
1: I can't even follow that up, Nick. I can't even follow that up.
0: Oh, but you must, Leah. So would you like to vent or repent?
1: Mm, You know, (laughs) since I must.
0: Yeah. I'm going to vent. Okay.
1: (laughs) And I'm going to try to make this vague enough so it's not absolutely clear who I'm talking about,
0: but also. Although maybe you should make it clear. Maybe you just direct it to one person who needs to hear this.
1: If the shoe fits, Cinderella. Okay. If this seems like you. It is. If you accuse me of doing something, Uh you say, hey, Leah, I think you did this thing. Okay. And then I say, I'm sure I didn't. And I give you some facts on what the situation was. Yeah. I've now given you a chance to reassess and check it out. And then you come back to me Mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. And then I have to now go into... My files, our old email questions, take screenshots, send it back to you. What comes next needs to be an apology. There is no other email.
0: After you provide receipts? Yeah, after I've provided the
1: receipts. I even gave you a middle step to take it back. Then I've now put Mm. in time and effort. Whatever's next starts with an apology. And an apology is not, sorry, there was a mix up. No.
0: Oh, that doesn't cut it for you?
1: No. There was no mix up. You mixed it up. Yeah. There wasn't a mix up between the two of us because-
0: I wasn't confused. Right.
1: I wasn't confused (laughs) at all to the point where I actually then had to go in and spend time. There was a mix up on the first email. But if my good faith and good word wasn't enough for you and then I had to show you, now it's you owe me an apology.
0: That's true. Oh, yeah. That details. You didn't trust me when I clarified. Yes. Yes. You didn't take my word for it. You didn't think I had enough integrity to be honest. Yeah. And that's
1: insulting. I've now been insulted. So now I need, and I will be like, no problem. I get it, but it needs to be an apology and not a, oops, sorry, there was this mess up. There wasn't a mess up. You messed up. And you insulted me and I would like an apology.
0: And it sounds like you have not yet received this apology.
1: Oh, I'm never going to receive this apology because oh, never. they believe that a general, a general like, oh, sorry, there was a mix up. is Oopsie. But you know, I, re- I, fine. I don't have the energy to hold a grudge, but I, moving forward, there will be a different relationship.
0: No, they like served you papers and subpoena documents. There was like a legal FOIA request from you. Mm. Yeah. Mm. No, that's Mm. rude. Rude! Well, what's rude is that it is questioning your integrity. Yes. Which I think on a base level really hits a core for a lot of people. Like, all we have is our reputations. And to question. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. I, that actually makes me feel dirty. Cause
1: I actually go out of my way to try to be honest. That's really a thing oh, that's important for sure. to me. It's
0: one of your worst qualities.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but like if I, and I know it happens, that's why it's not a big deal. Just like own it. But like, if I said, Hey Nick, I think you did this thing. And then you would be like, no, I would then go look it up and figure out what I did to, and figure out what the thing is. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. You wouldn't put the burden on me to prove it to you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, I can't just apologize to people and own up to your mistake. And that's, we all make mistakes. We're adults, you apologize. And then we move forward and it's not a big deal.
0: And in etiquette, it's never the crime. It's the cover up. Cover up. You etiquette mistakes happen. You know, we all make mistakes. None of us are perfect. Let me be the first to admit that. But it's how you handle those mistakes. And by not taking responsibility and not apologizing profusely for even creating the suggestion that I didn't believe you then, yeah, this is a major etiquette crime.
1: So rude. And it just had to be a little apology. Oh, I'm so sorry. Boom.
0: Would you accept an apology now, or it's too late?
1: I mean, now we're done.
0: Okay. And scene. (laughs) So, Leah... What have we learned?
1: Well, I learned that there is a nefarious diagram going around the internet, (laughs) dishonestly telling people that they can signal for a complaint book,
0: Mm. which is in air quotes, with their knife and fork. And you cannot. And I learned that you are genuinely not anxious in (laughs) art galleries. There's one place. We found it. Well, thank you, Leah. (laughs) Thank you, Nick. And thanks to you out there for listening. I'd send you a handwritten thank you note on my custom stationery if I could. So for your homework this week, I want you to consider supporting us on Patreon. This show does not make itself, everybody. So go to our website, click on monthly membership, and you can learn all about it and see if that's something you want to do. And we'd really appreciate it. We would so appreciate it. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. All right, Leah, it's time for Cordials of Kindness, the part of the show that you make us do, but I only give you 30 seconds to do it. Ready, set, go.
1: So today is actually my anniversary.
0: Oh, happy anniversary. Thank you so much. Is it paper or linen or wood? It's 15 years. Oh, Crystal. So I just want to say
1: a huge thank you to my partner for an amazing 15 years. And I'm so grateful that we get to go on this wonderful adventure together.
0: Oh, that's very nice. And for me, I want to read a lovely review we just got, which is quote, This podcast is a perfect storm of awesomeness. Funny, educational, and oh so needed. Also, they are self-depreciating, practical, and thoughtful as they think through situations and offer advice, which is so refreshing. And maybe most importantly, they have validated most, maybe all, of the annoying human behaviors that make me crazy. No small achievement. (laughs) I love that. That's very nice. So thank you. It's very nice to know that we are making a difference. So lovely.